Great. Um, good evening. Yeah, good evening. Good morning. It's great to be here with you all. And uh, it's sort of be beautiful day, isn't it? You know, sunshine, everything this Easter uh, Sunday morning. Um, just drop that down just a little bit. I think. Is that okay there? Is that all right? Yeah, okay. See the notes now. As, Ms. As Matthew mentioned, um, Tom Parson in his book, Glory into Glory, has presented to us the Easter story, and he's based it on the words from chapters 13 through to chapter 21 of John's Gospel. And I think it's been great. It's been really good. And it's good for us to have been doing that. We're still doing it. We've got a little bit more to do. And I think we've all been blessed and encouraged by it. As we've together, as a church, been walking through John's Gospel during the lead-up to this Easter time. And it's been extra special to be able to listen to the different contributions that people have brought from that passage. A short reading, okay, the passage from John's Gospel, then within the book there's a two-minute reading that you can read through, followed by a prayer, and then for just another two, three, maybe one minute, maybe half a minute, we've been able to share together something that we've drawn from that. And one of the great things is, you know, the little mistakes. What did I call him? I called him John Parsons. Did you notice that? <laughs> I didn't say um, Parsons when I, in the reading. And there's been other little things. I think that's great when you have those little bits of a mistake, you know. And, uh, you think, well, we're not perfect. And it shows that we're not perfect. And we're not meant to be perfect of ourselves. Our perfection is in Christ. He is perfect and we're not. And that's something that we can draw from these times. And it's good that we're gathered here this morning as well in this way. And um, what I'm going to do really is to carry the theme on. And I would like us to look at three of the Psalms of David. They're consecutive. So if you've got your church Bible, uh, turn to page 461 in the church Bible, and that's Psalm 22. And keep your Bibles open, keep your finger in there. And what we're going to do is we're going to walk through those three uh, Psalms that follow, the consecutive Psalms. And this is what we're going to look at. And this, is what, this isn't going to be... Um, uh, an expository of the passages uh, and you'll realize why when we look at the length of the first psalm we'd be here all day if we did that but i want us to draw from it i want us to share and in order to do that i've, I've asked certain people to do the readings and i will give you the cue when to do that and if you will just read from where you are and just read it in a loud voice so we can all hear and what we're going to look at is this we're going to look at continuing the theme of the glory of who Jesus is and we're going to look at the glory of the Saviour's cross then we're going to see the glory of the shepherd's crook and then we're going to see the sovereignty of the king's crown so a cross a crook and a crown and as I said to help us to share with that experience we're going to do things together now i'm going to start by um reading yeah psalm 22 i'm going to start it 
And then I'm going to come to a point when uh, Matthew will take over. And then as Matthew finishes, at that point, Adrian will take over. So we're going to read through the psalm together like that. And you can follow in your Bibles. So let me just start with Psalm 22, starting to read at verse 1. And as we do this, I want you to keep in mind that this is Easter. We've had Good Friday. We celebrate today the resurrection. This is an Old Testament psalm written by David a long time ago. So keep those things in mind. <coughs> psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried out, and were saved. In you, they trusted, and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hail insults, shaking their heads. He trusted the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb, and you made me trust in you even to my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Matthew. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Asian encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs around me, a pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. For you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly and help me. Deliver me from the sword. My precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. <clears throat> I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him. All you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the 
suffering of the afflicted ones. He has not hidden his face from them, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord. And he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will peace and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Remember that last little phrase. Remember he has done it. Who's David the psalmist speaking about here? He's speaking God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and that psalm finishes with those words. He has done it. But this psalm begins with agonizing words of apparent abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, you know, I want us to think about this because they are words that even when spoken, especially in the midst of unimaginable pain, the psalmist David is confirming that God is still his God. You get that? It sounds like a, a cry of agony, which it is. It sounds like abandonment. But even in those moments, God is still my God. These words uttered by David are the words that Jesus spoke from the cross, words that in a powerful way will confirm to all who hear them of the glorious bond between the Father and the Son. Do you get that? I want us to really get a hold of that. This is an encouragement. These words are an encouragement to every Christian as we remember that no matter how hard life gets, this is it. God is still our God. That's what Jesus is saying. My God, my God. That's the bit we need to get hold of. He's clinging to that because it's true. My God. My God. He is still God. And he is still your God. So if you are a Christian and you know Jesus as your Savior, you can say, God is still my God. God. Matthew 27. The words of Jesus recorded for us by Matthew. After three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Pamach, Sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
We've got the words of Jesus recorded from the cross by the gospel writers. The words are very few. Why is that? Partly because he would have struggled to even talk. So every word, every phrase, everything that he said had a deeper purpose and a deeper meaning. And the deeper purpose and meaning was for those people gathered around the cross and it was for you and I. That's how important they are. So don't pass over those words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God's left him. No, no, no. He knows that God is still there. He just wants to know why he isn't doing what maybe at that point Jesus in his humanity wants him to do. Take away the pain, take away the anger, take away the hardship. But he's saying, if it's your will, then I'll go through this. And you know, sometimes life can be like that. So don't hear it as a cry of being forsaken in the sort of feeling that God is not there. Those first few words, my God, you are my God. My God, you are my God. You are there, I am here. Why is this happening in his humanity? It was hard. And that was the extra pain. You know, you can look at the pictures, the, the paintings of Jesus on the cross, you can see films of Jesus on the cross, you can watch all that. That is agony. There's no doubt about that. But that's not where the real agony is. The real agony was in here. Because he was paying the price for our sins. And so we must look beyond that agony. That's why on Good Friday, when Jesus said to the women, don't weep, weep for yourselves. I said it was right to weep on certain occasions. But don't be taken up with the physical side of what's happening here. Yes, see the awfulness of it. But also, see the glory of it. You know, sometimes you can hear just a few words or hear just one or two notes. And what happens they remind you of something immediately you're reminded by a poem or a song and you are so familiar that those few words and those few notes bring into your mind the whole song or the whole poem that happens doesn't it you just hear a word the beginning of a line of a song or of a poem or maybe the melody and you go, wow, I know that. And before long, you're singing the whole song in your head. <laughs> and sometimes you're doing it out loud. You know, you don't realise you're doing it. It's all there, boom, boom, and it's coming. And those few words, uh, I've done it. Could it be that Jesus spoke those few words? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The beginning of Psalm 22, as a reminder to those who stood around the cross, reminded of the importance of that psalm, the importance of that song, that hymn that comes into your mind at that particular time. You don't realise, but you have the words up here, and you're feeling a bit down, and you hear just the first line of one of those hymns, and next minute that hymn's going through your head. And those people who stood around the cross, particularly the teachers and the religious leaders, 
That would have happened, I'm sure, with them. You see, the custom of the day was to learn by committing things to memory. And those people would know these psalms off by heart. Even the children would be able to quote them. You know, when you, 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 you think about this, um, it's so important that we don't miss the things that are happening here at Calvary. Those people who stood at the foot of the cross and heard Jesus say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Would they see, because the Psalms come into their head, would they see that Jesus was trusting in God? My God, my God, he's, he's saying he's trusting in God. That's what David said in that psalm. What they see that as he trusted in the Lord, there was salvation. Would they see that Jesus was being poured out like water? Have you still got the psalm in front of you? Have you got your Bibles open? Psalm 22, written by David. This is David's words. But this is speaking about Jesus, speaking about even the time before we historically understand that people were crucified, before crucifixion. Would the words of that psalm be going through their minds? Would they watch him as he was poured out like water? Could they see that all his bones were out of joint? Could they hear the words of a voice that was struggling to speak because his mouth was dried up like a potsherd. They watched the soldiers divide his clothes as they took his garments and cast lots for them. They watched the soldiers pierce his hands and his feet. You still got that Psalm 22 open? God's name. God's name was being declared to them. Dominion belongs to the Lord. That's going through their heads now. That's Psalms 22. They can't get it out. It, they're just going through it word by word. Dominion belongs to the Lord, not to Pilate, not to the high priest, not to those who wrongly accused him. It's not their will that's happening. Dominion belongs to the Lord. What was it that Nicodemus said when he was being led towards Jesus before the crucifixion when people were trying to... The, the Sanhedrin, he said, hang on a minute, you know. <laughs> uh, we need to think about this. Dominion belongs to the Lord. It wasn't their decisions. They chose to ignore his righteousness. Righteousness that would be declared to people yet unborn. Yeah, that? His righteousness was being declared to them as he hung on the cross. It was being declared to the disciples, those who would go out with the gospel. They would hear it from Peter when he stands up at Pentecost. They would hear the righteousness. 
and the righteousness would be for people yet unborn. You and me. <laughs> I know I'm old, but I wasn't that old. We went around then. But you know, the Lord knew that we would be. He's the one in control. We are those in that psalm, the ones at that point were not yet born. And what did they hear Jesus shout? Just as he gave up his life and entered into death. You know the words. It is finished. Remember what I said about the last little phrase of that psalm? It's done. That's what he said. It's done. And in the psalm of David, who did what was being done? God. And as Jesus hung on the cross, who did what was being done? God. You know, listen to this now. They saw the son of Joseph and they missed the son of God. Did you get that? Those people stood around the cross. They saw the man. They saw the son of Joseph. But they didn't see the son of God. Isn't that the same today? This Easter time, how many will see the son of Joseph? See the man? And not see who he really is. The glory of the cross. The son of God. They reveled in the gore of the cross. And they missed the glory of the cross. What was happening there? Psalm 22. A psalm that most of them who were there would for them jump into their minds. You know, we have a phrase when that happens. It's called an earworm. Yeah? You ever get one of them? Yes, you do. You get an earworm. You'll hear a few notes and you go, oh yeah, next minute you're singing the whole song. Good thing to do that. It's great. And this earworm could be made you saw by the Holy Spirit. And it could bring some of these people back to the cross. They were now going to have the opportunity to listen to Peter preach to see the disciples. They were going to see the church begin to grow. And with that earworm, Psalm 22, it's the most quoted song with reference to Easter time. And that would be running round their heads. You know, when the Sanhedrin were there and they dragged Peter in and Peter said, you know, it's not you tells me what to do. I'm going to preach the gospel. And they'd be going, Psalm 22, Psalm 22, going round in their heads. Let me tell you something. You live the gospel if you know Jesus as your saviour. You don't know how many people see what you do. And you don't know in later life how that can affect. You might have been a Sunday school teacher and you think nobody gets saved while I was a Sunday school teacher. You might have been even a preacher. You might have been a good Christian friend to your neighbour and nothing seems to happen. I've walked around here and a lot of people I talk to, 50-year-old people, I know you. Oh, I, oh, nothing, I, oh, yeah, I used to go to Sunday school. 
They remember a verse. They'll remember the choruses. I've spoken to a 50-odd-year-old man just down the road at his gate. Oh, yeah, I remember. I remember. What was that chorus? And he gives the first line of the chorus. You know, and we end up singing it in the street, just down the road. That's, that's an earworm. You know, that's great. And God can use that by the power of his Holy Spirit. We're not doing Bible exposition here. <laughs> we're taking out the things that we want to take from these passages. And now we're going to go from the glory of the Saviour's cross to the glory of the shepherd's group. And Enid's going to read Psalm 23. So just turn over in your Bible. It's the next Psalm, Psalm 22. Now it's Psalm 23. And we sang it before. Thank you, Enid. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Psalm 23, probably the most famous psalm in the Bible, probably the most psalm read at a funeral service. Sadly, it's probably the only time people will hear it read publicly, but a lot of people will know it. They will know this psalm. In John 9, verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Get that? The good shepherd. Who is the good? Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And we see the glory of the providence of God in this psalm. In our lives, Jesus is the good shepherd. He provides for and protects his flock. That's who he is. You know, there are green pastures. There are quiet waters. We have them. At times, we're in the green pastures. And at times, we're by the quiet waters but life it's sometimes dark it's sometimes dangerous and you know that's the time when you need the good shepherd most God's goodness God's mercy that will guide us through and you know when the darkest times of all comes the Good Shepherd will be there to take us into God's glory. That's the psalm. John 1 verse 14. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. 
we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Get hold of this. Good to remember these little phrases. The glory of the good shepherd's crook comes from the glory of the cross. Get that? The glory of the good shepherd's crook comes from the glory of the cross. Jack is going to read to us from Psalm 24. Again, it's the next one down the list. And this is the glory of the sovereign's crown. So follow through in your Bibles. Psalm 24. Thank you, Jackie. Preserve the Lord and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false heart. They will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God, their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek wisdom, who seek your face, God, from Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King's glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. You know, we see the, the glory of God in the wonders of nature. You know, Beautiful day we've got today. We can go out into the countryside. Okay, we spoil it. We make a mess of it, really. But the beauty is still there. The beauty of a sunset and a sunrise. The beauty of the rain and the snow and the wind. All these things. The beauty of the animal kingdom. And, and, and they're all speaking of God's glory the intricacies of the universe. Down the years, the most cleverest of the clever are still struggling to understand it. And I believe they never will, because there's always more to understand. And sometimes we think we're right. You know, the, the, the science is great. I love science. But science is, this is how it is, by what we know now. But what we know, Later, it might change it. And you know what we know about the glory of God? Helps us view God's creation in a different way. Yes, we see the effects of sin, but through it we see the glory of God. I can see the glory of God in, 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 in the creation of us here. Like, you know, this is what David said in another psalm, Psalm 139. He's speaking to God and he says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
If we know Jesus as our Saviour, we will one day stand in the glory of his presence. Listen to what Jesus said is recorded for us again in John's Gospel. This is John chapter 11 verse 10. When Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? We are seeing it now, but not in its fullness. But we will see it in its fullness. And if you think it's great now, which it is, it's so much more greater. And in that psalm that Jackie read, the question is there. There's a few questions in there, but here's one of them. I told you it's not a day Bible exposition. <laughs> We're drawing from these things. And you can go home and read through them again. Who is the King of Glory? Great question. Who is the King of Glory? Come on, tell us. Well, I'll tell you. And the psalm tells us. The Bible tells us. It's the man on the cross. God with us, who is the King of Glory. It's the Lord whose rod and staff comfort us. He is the King of Glory. And it's the King of Kings who welcomes us into his family, giving us a crown of righteousness. He is the King of Glory. Revelation 15 verse 4. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name, for you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. The glory of the Saviour's cross. The glory of the shepherd's crew. And the glory of the sovereign's crown. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just thank you that we can come into your glorious presence. And, oh, Father, we just ask that through your written word, both Old and New Testament, that you reveal these things to us through the power of your Holy Spirit, that as we trust in what you did, giving your Son to die for us, and what he did to die for us, and what your Holy Spirit does, he is here to be with us. So we ask your continued blessing upon us as we've gathered around your word. And we've done it in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.